Welcome back to That Is Effin' Weird. As the title states, we got a top 10 mysteries of Tennessee. I'm your host, Alex. I know it's been a while since uh, you've probably heard my voice. Uh, last episode that I was on was the fishbowl one, but I've been at school, had a new addition to the family. I should be back more often than not now. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. And with that being said, I say let's just get right into it. We're gonna we're gonna crack these mysteries wide open. I will say this though, spoiler alert, some of them are solved already. Um, I think it's just the circumstances of the events that happened make it kinda kinda weird. Um shit, the show's called That's Effing Weird. So, you know, that makes sense. So we're gonna we're going to get right into it. We're going to start with number 10, the strange death, death, death of Blair Adams. So the story goes that Knoxville, Tennessee, and by the way, by the way, uh, this is from www.onlyinyourstate.com. We did the uh, Pennsylvania one not too long ago, and we, we pulled this information from the same site. Great site. If you're listening to this and you want to know a little bit more more about your state, uh, I suggest going into that website and, uh, you know, typing it in, or you could just wait because we're, we're, we're probably going to hit all 50 states eventually. Uh, so you can wait and, uh, yeah, that's where we're getting the information, but continuing, uh, number 10, Knoxville, Tennessee was the place of this heartbreaking and strange murder, murder, Blair Adams was found amongst scattered international currency in a parking lot in July 1996, and his death was confirmed to be due to a severe blow to the abdomen. The strangest part about this whole thing, in the days leading up to the murder, he took all the money out of his savings account and attempted to cross the Canadian-American border. After being denied, he crisscrossed the country before becoming stranded in East Tennessee, uh, his worrisome behavior may point to a deeper issue that, like in the case, remains open ended. So, with this this first one, right? Um, Blair Adams was just found dead in a parking lot in 1996, and the cause of death was a blow to the abdomen. Doesn't really say anything else. It, it, foul play. Now, here here's the thing, right? Um, says that he was in a hotel parking lot. How long was he in that uh, that hotel that someone could have seen him with a large amount of money? Granted, it doesn't say the location of the hotel. That would actually be pretty interesting to uh, look into. Like they, because you know there are some shadier, you know, hotels, motels, the ones that you probably don't want to stay at. You know, the ones that are crack dealers are always at, and shady stuff is going on. All I'm saying is that. That's probably where he ended up. Oh, hey, hold on one second. Hey, Clark, are you there? Clark, Clark looks like he's he's joining. We're we're gonna take a quick pause. Um, but like I was saying though, is that that to me that could be a a clue to this whole mystery as far as like where he or what happened. You know, is that the the fact that he was probably at a shady hotel room, and then someone saw him with a large amount of money. And, you know, this is an opportunity. Yeah. So today's uh, today's episode, I'm doing the top 10 mysteries of Tennessee. Oh, OK. Yeah. So the first one that uh, I went over was of Blair Adams. 
in a nutshell, it's it's only about a paragraph. There's four or five sentences. It doesn't really go into much, but I'd like to hear before I tell you what I think. I don't know if you heard what my thoughts on it were. I, I want to I'm going to read it to you and then you tell me what you think might have happened. Okay. Um, so in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, Blair Adams was found amongst scattered international currency in a hotel parking lot in 1996. His death was confirmed to be due to a severe blow to the abdomen. The strangest part about the whole thing in the days leading up to the murder, he took all the money out of his savings account and attempted to cross the Canadian American border. And that is the only information that they have on this murder or this mystery. Hmm. So I have a theory on maybe what what happened, but I'd like to if you have anything going on, I want to hear it. Uh, I'm curious about your theory, but I I also don't want to bring any unnecessary heat down on myself. But um, (laughs) does yours possibly have anything to do with the mafia? No, no, mine, mine is very simple. I, I think. Okay. Do, you, do you want me to tell you mine? Uh, you think you got just hit by a car or something? No, <laughs> no. I mean, kind of on the same. I guess like maybe like that. Um, is what I think is that he. I think he stayed in a a, a shady hotel, right? And somebody mm-hmm. saw him with like a bunch of money, or like you know, was like he made himself an easy target, and I think. Again, I don't know how this I don't know the details of the actual murder, but I think someone saw him with money. He was in a bad location. Someone killed him, took the money and then ran because it says that the uh, currency was scattered. So maybe like they were struggling. Maybe it was wasn't necessarily supposed to be like, uh, you know, murder for the money. But like there was a struggle for it. And, you know, maybe socked him in the kidneys just the right way. You know, something happened. So. That's or my theory. Did they see it was different currency that wasn't useful to them? And they were just like, oh, this is monopoly see, money. <laughs> yep, exactly. It could have been something. Yeah, who knows? So that's that's my theory. I think it's very just like a robbery gone awry or just, you know, something like that. So um, obviously, well, Seth might not be as familiar with this uh, area as I am, but this is this is where my family's from. Mm. this area so my dad is very familiar with this area and um in the mountains especially around Sevierville and pigeon forge and outside of knoxville and places like that and even chattanooga and places like that they uh there's a lot of mafia ties Mm. the reason for that is this is where they would go to escape heat so a lot of the moonshiners a lot of the moonshiners from like the the 20s and stuff like that when when organized crime was real big i mean obviously it's like still a thing but you know when like when we're talking about the roaring 20s and through the depression and stuff like that um a lot of the moonshiners out of tennessee would be shipping their product up to new york and chicago and places like that and they would get a lot of connections with a lot of these like crime bosses and things like that and then in turn they would also use the tennessee hills as protection for a lot of their guys so like john dillinger Machine Gun Kelly, um, not the rapper, the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Babyface Nelson, a lot of these guys that were like hitmen for the mobs, a lot of the famous gangsters and stuff like that. This is where they would go down to escape heat. So when there was a lot okay. of police heat on them, they would go down to Tennessee and they would hang out with the moonshiners. So Kentucky and Tennessee were a lot of the places where they actually like let stuff cool off 
before they could go back up north. So this is where they would hang out. So John Dillinger in, in particular, uh, I believe it was John Dillinger and one Machine Gun Kelly. I can't remember which one now it was. One of the famous um, kind of gangster hitman guys. I think it was Machine Gun Kelly because he was more of a hitman than John Dillinger was. John Dillinger was kind of his own guy. Um, I think it was Machine Gun Kelly. Um, was known to actually frequent places of like my dad said we've got pictures of relatives with him like in Tennessee just hanging out when he was like cooling off and stuff oh, yeah. like that. so like there's a lot of those um there's a lot of those tales of like that's where they would go because it was like the moonshiners are supplying product they also supplied protection and safety because no one was going the only people that went up into the hills was like the IRS like the tax guys at the time you know before there was an ATF tax guys would go try to hunt them down the moonshiners and everything like that and so you get gunfights and things like that but that's where like i said a lot of your like crime guys your 1920s 30s mobsters would they go get cooled off in tennessee and stuff so knoxville's not like immune to that whole lifestyle so the fact that a guy is down there and he's drawn a lot of currency out and he's trying to get to the canadian border maybe he crossed the wrong people Maybe he had some friends that would put him up for a while and maybe he got whacked. Yeah, see, that's the thing is like I doing no prior research into any of this. It, again, like I have no idea, like uh, Blair Adams background. Where, yeah, where that's all, spe- that's all speculation. I don't know the guy yep. at all. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and that's just the thing is like that's that's a very good theory. And maybe through some of these, you like that connection with like the mafia it might make sense to a couple more of these stories now again um i told the audience before beforehand some of these cases are are already solved i think like four of them are already solved um but the ones that are just kind of like still in the open right now it'll it'll be interesting to see if the the mafia thing comes into play anymore yeah well that's That's a good theory yeah, history tidbit, and you never know. Like I said, don't yeah. know what the guy's past was. I don't want to besmirch his name or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, like I said, it's not impossible. This one, this next one is, uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird, but it's um, Captain, it's, uh, let's see here, Captain D's Tragedy. That's what that's what they're calling it. So in July of 2000, uh, in Tennessee was the stra- was the stage for an awful murder. An apparent robbery gone awry at the local Captain D's left three fast food workers dead. One William Sneal was found dead in his car while Scott Myers and Brian Spate was were shot and left in the food cooler. In late 2001, two suspects were charged with the premeditated murder regarding the case. Again, this one's not really a mystery. This one's kind of like open and closed. I think they're just the website or whatever is just saying like, hey, this is kind of a, a weird circumstance. Not much to not too much to say on this one. So, I mean, unless you you, you have anything on want to say about it. <laughs> I mean, just other than when you have cases like these, a lot of times it's um, they say it will be a, a mystery, quote unquote mystery. But usually it's because there's someone there that's so completely removed from whatever it is because you know most crimes the person knows like the, the victim knows the perpetrator 90 yeah. percent of the time um yep. 
so usually it's like oh it becomes like a mystery when it's people that's random and um it, it could have been a tip off of like there's like a big score or there's going to be a lot of money in the till tonight and stuff like that and like a guy who wasn't supposed to be working the shift traded shifts with someone else yeah yeah he gets you know he gets killed and then all of a sudden it's a mystery it's like why did this guy get killed he had nothing to do with it and it's exactly know. you know you saying that kind of reminds me of the movie um mr brooks when dane cook is like riding along with him and he's yeah. like what what if i want to kill my boss and um god what's his name the actor kevin costner and kevin costner yes thank you um he looks at dane cook and he's like you don't kill people that you know yeah so like that makes you a like, crime suspect yeah everybody yep. is everybody is first second third removed from like that is literally 95 percent of all crimes yep yep that's why there's terrible stories of like people who um get accused of crimes and end up not being a suspect at all like husbands always like uh <laughs> yeah, that's, there's, the, there's that's the story always the number one. <laughs> oh man there's the story though of the guy that um the the guy broke into the house killed the wife and shot the the husband in the head and mm -hmm. the bullet went through his eye and so like there was no visible bullet wound but he had like and he was all confused and dazed and the cops took him in for like eight hours of interrogation and didn't take him to the hospital i and think i remember I, what what is that what's like what is the actual I thing remember the i remember name, that yeah. but he he died and basically afterward when they finally took him to the hospital he ended up dying but like they had him under interrogation for like eight hours instead of taking him to the hospital he had a bullet in his head so okay with with, with that do you really blame can you blame the cops because i mean like because like if there's no visible evidence like because like you know a gunshot wound it's there's clear markings of a gunshot wound if you don't see that in like because there was bruising wasn't there there's like a little yeah. bit of there had to be i mean even in his well it's weird because you have his mug shot because they took a mug shot of him when they took him oh. home okay and like I, you can't his 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 eye is just droopy like he's got like his left, his left eye is just kind of drooped down. So you, you wouldn't think really there was anything like going wrong with him. But he actually had like a bullet wound in his head. And it was like, but I, I would just think that EMTs would have, you know, first responders would have done some, something further to like, you know, I don't know. That's I mean, I've seen weirder you, things happen ballistically. So I, I, I mean, mean you are. Yeah, you are right and not really react so god that this probably wasn't the best thing to to, to, to look up yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. i'll try to you probably got yeah. a lot of filtered things yeah <laughs> yeah things I'll yeah, I'll try to find it later. We'll we'll dig more into it because I do. Yes, you saying that I do remember that story. It it does ring a bell. Yeah. But all right, but, well, uh, back to people that can get wrongfully, I guess. Or once again, like I said, it it sounds crazy, and we're not trying to encourage serial killers out there. But yeah, killing random is the only way to your best chance of not getting caught. So yep. All right, number eight, the Cheryl Holland story. So Joe Sweet and Maddie Harvey disappeared from their Tennessee homes in early 1991. Just days after the vanishing, their home was set on fire. 
and their niece, Cheryl Holland, suspiciously disappeared. Her husband went to confess that both she... Hold on a second. Both... Both she and him murdered the couple for money. The bodies were found in the trunk of a car in mid-April. Thankfully, this awful story has a sweeter ending. Not even an hour after the story aired on Unsolved Mysteries, Cheryl was arrested in Texas. So from what I'm gathering... Okay, so Cheryl Holland was the one who killed her... Those two... It was Sweet Joe and Maddie Harvey. Okay, that makes sense. So this girl named Cheryl Holland killed Sweet Joe and Maddie Harvey. And again, it's it's nothing like it's it's not unsolved. It was already solved. But I will say that though that I remember because it's on. I think it's on Netflix. It's Netflix or Hulu. The old uh, unsolved mysteries from like the early nineties. I. At the, like the end of almost every other show, there's always the uh, unsolved updates and like it's oh this person was captured or like the reward. So I think at, to me, that was great, you know, like this unsolved because they would have cases like this on the show. And because it was such a big hit of a TV show, people were getting caught. And I think yeah. that's awesome that like that TV show was so big that it was able to do that to help solve crimes. And it was even, I think it was like at the end of the show, the, uh, the, not the narrator, uh, the, the host of the show was always like, if you have information, mm-hmm. call the Unsolved Mystery Hotline. So that, I think that's pretty cool. There, I don't think there's anything like that to nowadays, no, as far no. as like a, First off, shout out to legendary Robert Stack. That was the host, by the way. That's his name. That guy was the best host. It was amazing. Also a Transformers voice, so... Give him credit. Where did credit do? <laughs> Not wait, 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 wait. He's the trans. He, really, he, he was a voice for Ultra Magnus in the Transformers 1986 movie. So yeah, uh, Robert Stack. Um, he's also in the movie Airplane. Uh, so he did he did real acting and stuff too. But uh, oh, that's right. Uh, but no, no, absolutely. My, one of my favorite voices of the 80s, 90s, and um, yep. uh, that show, Rescue 911, and. Um, uh, what's the one with, uh, oh gosh, uh, America's Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. That, one, that one really set down the precedent, I think, because that's the, the Adam Law and everything about kidnapped kids and everything, because the host was, his son was kidnapped and murdered. So that's, oh, why, that's why he got into that. Really? Yeah, that's how he got, that's how he became an advocate for that and like got actual congressional change for like certain laws on like... Um, like first responders, like or a response to like kidnappings and missing persons and things like that. So, um, good for him. Yep. So yeah, those are those are three big ones I would say. And America's Most Wanted went way late, so they kept doing they kept doing um, unsolved mysteries. Dennis Farina took over for Robert Stack after Robert Stack passed away, and mm-hmm. Dennis Farina passed away actually a few years back. And uh, but they did. A lot of um, when he was the host, they kind of read it, rehashed a lot of the uh, like segments that were never solved mm-hmm. from the Robert Stack years. And then they had new ones. So I thought that was always cool that they did that. Kind of like a refresher, like, hey, don't forget about this. We're still yeah, yeah. still, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. still a thing. So, 
shit i you know it makes you like see here's the here's the issue with like the internet and technology is i feel like just normal because like in the 90s like computers and like the internet was really not a thing it was like the television was your source of like like all entertainment and like getting the news like that was the hub was the tv and i feel like there's nothing nowadays that equates or is like you can compare to like the unsolved mysteries to like the help finding you know miss missing people like granted there might be a tiktok there might be like an instagram there might be something dedicated to like missing persons i'm sure there is but it's the hype i guess i guess that's what i'm trying to say is like there's nothing like mainstream like because that's again like i can't think of anything tiktok related or you know whatever but i bet you if you were to like say unsolved mysteries in the 90s everyone would be like oh yeah that's i watch that show at eight o'clock every you know every night in my in my living room so i just it'd be cool to see something emerge nowadays that has the same effect i guess that's what i'm trying to say even in just i mean the past 12 months look at some of the big cases that have blown up because of stuff like tiktok and and twitter and things like that like the gabby petito uh case mm. and then like the idaho five yeah uh, like all over that and then um oh gosh and i forget her name the 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 girl that was murdered down in mexico uh she went down there uh with her friends for like and then like all the friends got under a lot of suspicion because it was like well there was two different cases actually there was there was the five people that went down there and she went missing Uh everyone like was like oh why did like and people were saying like oh she didn't really want to go down there and all that kind of stuff and then there was the case where it was like the three friends who went to Mexico and they thought the cartels killed them inadvertently, like thinking they and then the cartels turned over the people. that they said, oh, they killed. Yeah, there's that case where it's like, yeah, it's like, sorry, we killed three tourists. We thought you know, <laughs> and they turned over the people like that killed them. They were just like, these guys messed up. Look, justice, we're, we're taking care of it for you. The, what a what a mind trip that <laughs> oh what well i mean because they don't want extra heat for no reason i mean that's not you know yeah there's there was a video circulating on reddit maybe like six months ago um of two guys driving like they they went down um to mexico and they got lost on like some back roads and like they have like you know the um, the dash cam where it's like you can see the driver and the passenger well they had one of those going and like they they're stopped on like this dirt road in the middle of nowhere and like two pickup trucks like surround them and like guys with ak-47s come out and you think it's going to be like one of those like gore videos where it's like all right everyone in the vehicle gets shot up but no like the complete opposite like one of the like the passenger just starts bawling and he's like we're lost we don't know where we're going and you know it's the cartel and it's like what's gonna happen but they like the guy's just like it's all right it's all right you just gotta turn around go the other way that you came it's just like what this is (laughs) (laughs) it's like it's all the stories that you hear of like the cartel just like no mercy and everything it was it was just a very odd you know if things could have gone a lot worse than than what they did in that video so it's that you just saying that um just kind of remind me of it but like yeah this is this is very uh 
like lighthearted version of of this to like boil it down. Have you ever seen the movie Gone in sixty seconds? Uh, a long time ago. <laughs> long time ago. So there's a scene in that movie though where one of the guys steals a Cadillac just because it's on the side of the road and brings it back to the shop or whatever. And he's like, look, stole this car myself. And they're all like, you stole a car that wasn't on our list. Why, <laughs> why would you steal a car? that wasn't on our list? Like, Cause it's like, now people are looking for something missing. That's not, you like, we don't want this. Like, and that's, that's what the cartels are doing. Don't, they don't kill someone who's not like, you know, you know Killed two Americans yeah. that were lost on a back road in Juarez. No, turn them around and say, go north. California, you dumbasses. I'm sure that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> oh, terrifying situation, but. All right. Uh, going on to number seven, though, uh, is uh, George Tan or Georgia Tan. So Georgia Tan was a Memphis woman with a mission, a dark mission. It was between 1924 and 1950 that she scammed, manipulated, and brutally pursued poor mothers, uh, persuaded poor mothers to sell off their children to her. Yes, you heard it right. Sell. She had a ring of adoptive parents for the children she could provide, eventually severing, serving all 48 states. Well, there's 50, but whatever. This is back in 1924. Uh, well, she sure erased. She, sure, she couldn't afford to ship babies to Hawaii and Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, but she erased the children's histories and sent them to wealthy families that could afford uh, the higher bills. The awful thing was that the living conditions left many of her wards sick and even dead. A large majority of these children ended up seeking their birth families later in life. That's messed up. Yeah, that's really that's really messed up. Yeah, as a well, gosh, you as a new father should also be like. That's one of the most creepy things to me is how. When I hear hospital stories, like people that are corrupt in hospitals, or even just mistakes where babies are swapped and things like that, mm -hmm. like really, that that's crazy to me. That is just insane. Like. Talk about a clerical error <laughs> of crazy magnitude. Right. Or, you know, I, or I, twins getting separated and things like that. Like, I just, oh, man. Yeah, that, that messes with me. That's, that's crazy. Yes, that's, that's actually, this is a kind of a throwback um, to one of my favorite horror movies. Or I guess, I mean, it's, it's horror thriller. I, to me, it's more thriller. Uh, but Misery. Uh, Annie Wilkes in that movie, like she worked on the, the, um, uh, what is it? The infant ward part or whatever. And she was killing babies. That just makes that movie that much more like creepy. Cause it wasn't later. It wasn't till later on, like being much older that I understood like why, like Annie Wilkes was so messed up and like so crazy. And just, it just made it more creepy. It was probably when I actually got into high school um that i actually paid attention more to the movie but yeah there was actually a um i want to say there was a canadian woman not not too long ago that essentially did the exact same thing was like just purposefully killing babies it was just like what why like how like i just don't get that like i just i i don't know it's it's messed up and like to like take someone's kid the, here's the messed up thing about that is like she was preying on women to sell 
sell them sell her their children did i say that right sell sell the something yeah, like you know what i'm saying yeah but like i like that's especially because in 1924 correct me if i'm wrong that was like when one of the depressions was going on correct like the big one the big this is actually great depression. Like 29 is the stock market crash so this is a little bit before that now what she could have been doing is if this is 1924 it could have been i mean was this in america this is in america you said 48 states so uh which yep. you were right there weren't even 48 established states yet in 1924 but yep. um but possibly widows and things like that you got world war one casualties things like that you got a lot of guys coming back that even if they were survivors they were pretty messed up things like that so uh maybe you know this is not necessarily depression era yet but it's you know this is roaring 20s when america is actually booming economically but you still had a lot of people coming back that um you know the rich get richer the poor get poorer kind of situation yeah so I just like props to like any detective, any police officer back in the day that could solve crimes like it. It must have been a headache, you know, to like solve crimes back then as far as like. You know, because like you really were relying on just like hearsay and eyewitnesses, that was like that was your biggest thing. And like to find somebody or to like, you know, convict somebody because there were no videotapes, blood evidence still wasn't a thing. Imagine how many crimes we probably could solve if they would have just held on to evidence. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm sure there's there's some cases where like they might have. Again, I I don't know. Um, but I I just yeah, it's. I mean, I I guess it since it wouldn't be like properly sealed. I don't know if it'd still be good, but I don't know. It just I think it would be. Yeah, it would have been tough back in the day. So, yeah, you just hope to uh, get a confession. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we'll go on to uh, number six on March 7th, 1991. Pauline George came down from or came home from work and settled in for the evening. She took a shower, then went through her mail and donned a house coat. Her body was found in the basement three hours later. Her boyfriend found her body brutally beaten and stabbed multiple times. No money or jewelry was missing from the home. The case remains unsolved, and the Knox County Sheriff's Office continues to keep it open. See, that one, that one is weird. That one is strange. That's like the... Okay, so like again, like no money or jewelry was missing from the home. To me, when like things like that are said, it's like, how do you know money and jewelry wasn't taken? You know, like could she have? I mean, I guess it's one of those things where it's like, okay, all of the jewelry is located right here. Why wouldn't they just take all of it? And like all the cash was right here. Why wouldn't they take all of that? So I don't know. This kind this kind of reminds me of the. Um, the night stalker uh there is it's on it's on netflix it's um it's a good documentary if you want to watch it but one of the things that he said was he would just break into houses that had open windows and doors there was no rhyme there was no reason and that's why he killed his victims or those that's how he picked his victims was just open windows and doors could this have been the same thing you think Possibly, and 
I'd be curious to know if there were any other similar crimes like around the time with the same MO and all that kind of stuff. Um, now, I, I missed something. You said the was the boyfriend in the shower when this happened? Is that what you said? Or Her boyfriend found the body. Okay. It, she, she, I think she was home alone at the time. And then it said uh, she was found in the basement three hours, three hours later. Her boyfriend found the body. Okay, I just heard something about like the shower, and I was like, "That's all." You said something about like she took a shower, or he took he was taking a shower. That'd be even creepier if he was in the shower. That happened. Oh, can you? And I, I think the guilt of that would just be so much more to like to know that like you were you were home, you were there, you could have done. Like I just feel like that might. To me, I feel like that's the guilt that I would have if something Mm -hmm. like that were to happen, where it's like I was in the home. I didn't hear anything, but I could have stopped it if I just would have like taken a shorter shower, you know, like the, oh, what is it called? The victim? I think it's called victim guilt or yeah. something like something like that. So survivor's guilt. Yeah. Survivor's guilt. That's what it is. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. This one, no, this one, I'd, no, I'd be curious about that one. There, that seems like there's more to that for some reason. I don't know. Now, do you think this one could be mafia related? <laughs> yeah, I don't think this one is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, going on to number five, uh, Joe Shepard. So Joe Shepard, uh, when the beautiful... Oh, hold on a second. Okay, when the beautiful Roxanne Woodson disappeared in 1978 from Telco Plain, Tennessee, there was an uproar. Joe Shepard was eventually connected to the case and attempted to shoot his way out of an arrest later that year. He was found in Ontario, Canada after escaping from prison and given a life sentence. Uh, His strange stalking of young women and subsequent violent outbursts left the community in a state of unease. I don't really understand this one. Yeah, that just seems like a short, like, no really, so he was a known stalker and... I, I guess personality if he had a shootout to. Yeah, I, I don't know. You, uh, I guess it? I, what's up? I was just saying, what was his original crime? What was he on this list for again? It does. It doesn't really say. Um, Walked a bunch of people or did he kill one in particular? Okay. 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 So Roxanne Woodson disappeared oh, in 1978. So, okay. That's what it's for. So like, Apparently, Joe Shepard kidnapped Ro- Roxanne Woodson or, you know, or was in connection with the disappearance of her in 1978. Um, and he ran yep, for so, the border. <laughs> what's that? And then he ran for the border like yep. all these people do. <laughs> yep. And, and I guess that's that's pretty much just what it is, is like he would stalk young women and yeah, I, it doesn't say if the body was ever found, if like, because it just says he was connected to the case. It doesn't really say if he was, if he was like, you know, um, an accomplice to the person who actually took the young woman to say like what happened to her. Um, just says that he dis- she disappeared. He was connected to it somehow. So. All right. people it almost feels like maybe he just ran because he was like knew he would get blamed for it regardless i think yeah i you know like you know when someone like it kind of reminds me of um the show making a murderer 
where I forgot I forgot the guy's name in it, the, um, the guy who ended up going to jail. But it's just like, yeah, I feel like communities just have sometimes like those those families where it's like, oh, those that's the bad family. Stay away from them where it's like they have a stigma or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it could just been, you know, same thing with him, you know, just there's a stigma around maybe the shepherd name and, you know, he had nothing to do with it. But, you know, I, I agree with kind of what you're saying. Like, you, yeah, I don't know. Once a villain, always a villain. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. So this one is number four, the murder of Kevin Hughes. All right. So Nashville's cash box magazine lost a great researcher when Kevin was found murdered by an unknown gunman. He was shot in his vehicle with his friend who survived the attack. Suspicious clues led investigators to take a look at his co-workers, one of whom was Richard uh, Antonio. They dug up incriminating evidence that Antonio was accepting money to boost music artists uh, on the chart list, and Hughes found out, leaving the desperate man with a murderous mind. Antonio was charged with first-degree murder and will end up will not end up on parole until 2036. So to me, this one's actually kind of recent. Um, but I don't understand. I don't understand that. Like to me, that's almost like the um, uh, Chris Watts thing, where in his mind, the only thing to do to start over in a new life is to murder his whole family. It's just like I don't understand why some people are like, okay, the only option I have right now is to murder someone. That is like to like how just just leave. Or, you know, pay the fine or like, you know, just like, all right, you get fired. You have to start from the ground up. It's better than spending the rest of your life in jail. I don't. Right. I just don't understand how like people are like, I'm got to kill somebody now. Like, I I don't. But I guess I guess that's just what you know, murderers think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you want. I can't I can't get behind that. I'm too vain for that. So <laughs> I tell people if I need to if I need to get out of here, like I said, I'm I'm just going to sell everything and be a bartender in Marrakesh. <laughs> <laughs> I always joke around like Casablanca. I'll just be play it again, Clark. I'll just be on a piano, <laughs> be on a piano in a bar in Casablanca. Just <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's everyone's know. dream. A dollar that dollar will go far in Morocco. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, number three, Medical Mystery of Cheyenne Isom. This one, I I read this one a little bit beforehand. This one actually is really strange. Um, So Memphis was was given a creepy medical mystery in the form of Cheyenne Isom, a young woman complaining uh, complaining of severe eczema. With scabs forming all over her newly uh, skinny body, her and her family were becoming desperate. The diagnosis, an unknown skin condition that caused her body to produce a massive amount of skin cells. The overproduction causing her to grow fingernails on her body instead of hair. Um, John Hopkins was has taken over the baffling case in hopes to ease the young woman's pain and confusion. So to me, this one is ongoing. That sounds like the the tree disease. Tree disease. Uh, I forget what they call it. The fibrosis, where um, 
where people you grow basically scales over instead of well, it looks like scales, but it's almost like tree bark on instead of um, it's, it's because your your skin cells like hyper actively produce like calluses. Um, it's not oh, a okay. form of cancer, but um, yeah, I don't know what the easiest way to look that up is like tree skin disease, but the, it, it becomes a thing where, yeah, you like you'll start with almost like a wart growth. And then the warts kind of multiply until your whole like body, like they get them on the face, the legs, arms, everything, and it just it just exponentially grows out of control. Well, I I will say this: I I actually just looked up a picture of her, and it's not as bad as that. I'm now I'm not downplaying downplaying her condition by any means or whatever, um, but. It to me, it's you just gotta, I would just look it up. Just I, if What's it your just, name again? uh, Cheyenne Isom. So S H A Y A N A I S O M. So I know that the tree, like whatever the wart disease thing that the true called the tree disease, which is really bad if you saw the pictures of it. I know that is a some kind of hyper um like hyper version of like uh hpv almost yeah so I'm herpes and things like that and i wonder if that's still not something similar because it's very scaly yeah localized so i only saw the picture of it on her cheek and stuff and see the I don't know. That's all I can think of, though, is it'd be something, you know, similar to that. I'm looking up the tree disease thing right now, and oh, I just that would be terrible. Yeah, like the only relief those people have is like the cut off excess mounts and stuff like surgically have some of it removed just because of the weight it adds and stuff like that, because it just grows exponentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, and it's it seems like what it does with the tree disease one. It seems like it attacks people's hands, like their hands yeah, and their it starts, feet. Starts with your extremities and nose, like your, your cartilage and stuff. The ears and nose get it first before it actually starts. Even the eyelids and stuff, like that would be ooh, that would really be painful when you get it on your eyelid and stuff. Yeah, gosh, it's like it's like the shittiest version of Wolverine. <laughs> like i don't need to regenerate right now guys <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, was, I don't i don't mean to laugh <laughs> but it is, it is. <laughs> but that to me, you you saying that right just like i always think about like if if spider-man was anatomically correct yeah, <laughs> like shooting webs out of his ass, not his hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, oh, you you saying the whole Wolverine thing? Just a shitty version of that. Yeah, that. But I, you, the audience member, I I suggest taking a look at maybe not the tree disease one, but you know, like that one is that one is very interesting. Um, again, I'm not downplaying downplaying her her condition by any means. It's it's a mystery. I hope they figure something out. Um, yeah, it's a that does that does now that was a good one in for this for this list. Number two 
In August of 1992, a sad time for the Roberts family when Martha Doe vanished from her home. Her husband was then threatened over the phone. A large ransom of $100,000 was demanded for her safe return home. It took a year, but sadly, Martha was found murdered. The suspect, Charles Jackson Lord, an associate of her husband that that had a large amount of debt. Her body was buried under a compost heap and she was believed to have been dead only hours after the initial abduction. That one's kind of sad. Again, it's solved and everything, but uh, I just, I, again, I I don't understand how someone has. Okay. Maybe, you know, Clark has anyone ever gotten away with a ransom like give me give me a hundred thousand dollars and you know like, like then I will return them and then they get the money like that money can be tracked. Yeah, money has like a like, barely has that ever worked ever and um, so I, a couple of things that I have uh, thoughts on this. So one, like you just said there, um, you know she was presumed dead just hours after the initial call. That's normally the thing. Is like if you have a ransom call, the person. I would never have hoped that the person's still alive. I know that's pessimistic, but they're playing on your emotion that you're actually going to get your loved one back, when in reality it's probably not true. Um, nor maybe if you even pay, are you going to get them back? Uh, or if you are able to make yep. some kind of transfer and it actually work out good, you know, because they're normally going to tell you, don't call the cops, don't call the authorities or, you know, and if the authorities are for some reason involved, then it might turn sour and it might go bad. So it's like, there's not really a lot of good positive options. Like, yeah, yeah. that's why the, the biggest takeaway is if you are someone who is, um, being abducted uh don't go with the person i know that sounds simple and crazy but actually this is actually real world advice um if someone says trying to carjack you someone's trying to do something like that even if they have you at point blank range gunpoint saying come with me get in the car don't ever do it scream make noise whatever you have because the person is more likely to get caught or run away even if they shoot you point blank on the street it's better than if they take you to a secondary location. If they hmm. take you somewhere where they have you in private, your chances just went to almost zero. If you are on the street and someone holds you at gunpoint and says, get in the car, scream, make noise, you will have witnesses that will make them more uncomfortable, make them more likely to get caught. Even if they shoot you on the side of the street because they're unable to get you on the car, at least you've got witnesses, you've got proof. You can, you can now possibly be a, a witness never ever let a person take you to a second location ever i think that's you know like you know when your adrenaline is going and it's just like you're not thinking i think that happens in a lot of situations especially if like someone's holding you at gunpoint and they're like get in the car it's just like okay hey don't don't like don't shoot me okay i'll just do whatever you say i think it's it's really easy for like people's knee jerk, knee jerk reaction just to like listen to whoever. So yeah, that's uh, I honestly, I didn't even think about that till you said it right now is just don't go with them because again, it's, it's different. If someone, says, if someone says, I want your wallet, give them your fucking wallet. It doesn't matter. It's a wallet, right? Yeah. 
you can cancel credit cards. You got what? Six bucks. Nobody uses cash these days anyway, whatever. <laughs> get in the wallet. If someone says get in the car with me, don't ever do it because you're dead. Yeah. And that's true, too, for like the, the like they they must want you for something. So they want you alive, not technically dead. So if that that's actually a kind of a good point is that they're they're probably not going to. Now, again, I don't know every like most of these stories, like why did it happen? Like the the woman that uh, took a shower, you know, and then was up in, in the basement three hours later, dead, like no suspects, like people do weird stuff sometimes. So. But yeah, that's actually didn't think about that. So but back to this guy had a lot of debt. I wonder who he owed all the debt to. Was this another mafia story? <laughs> mafia. There we go. There we go. <laughs> now, this last one, I know for a fact, has nothing to do with the mafia. And I hate this. You know what I'm going to do? I'll tell you what my immediate what I thought about after reading this. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell the audience. I'll, I'll read it. It's our last one. Number one, the bloodstained crypt of Nina Craig Miles. Uh, one mystery that continues to plague Cleveland, Tennessee, is the grave of Nina Craig Miles, killed at age seven by a rogue buggy. The little girl was buried in honor in the local cemetery. Almost immediately, blood stains appeared on the whitewashed marble of the tomb. The community was horrified, but no matter how many times they scrubbed the stains away, they would return. Uh, unsolved mystery or just a message from the grave. We may never know. That's it. That's that's all there is to this one. That. that what are your thoughts? And I will tell you what I thought immediately after reading this. What was the material? Is it marble? What was it made out of? Does it say? Yep. Marble. Marble. Man, um, so on marble, water stains on marble can resemble dried blood. So I wonder if there's like a grooves or something like some kind of wear in the actual stone itself to where it looks like it's like handprints running down. And it's just it's literally just I just threw husky hair everywhere because I was petting my dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I wonder if it's like a water stain that actually holds that so as opposed to something like granite that doesn't that just kind of molds i'm i'm trying to look up what you're what you're saying right now the uh the marble and like water stain because like when granite I, when granite tombstones get they, they they mold over time they kind of get this like dark greenish gray uh but marble will get can get like a reddish burnt reddish tint to it you're right you're right um i just found a picture that kind of resembles yeah there's a there's a red like red hue red color to it huh that's that's my only scientific guess i can come up with i clark you might have solved this mystery i think that's what it might be Huh. Cool. And now, do you want? Do you want? Do you want to know what I thought of? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. It. It. I. In no way, shape, or form, did I. Did I help solve or like you anything or any way or you know? I thought of South Park, the Virgin Mary episode, 
when I read this and it's horrible and I shouldn't have, but do you know which, do you know which episode I'm talking about? I've seen every South Park episode and I'm trying to remember which one it is. It's the one where like, was it Stan's dad has a drinking problem and then the, like the Virgin Mary like starts bleeding out her ass like is this an early episode or how early is it in the <laughs> this is probably like season oh if i had it's it's probably anywhere from like 11 to like 14 somewhere in there yeah. that's like the sweet spot i wouldn't i would think i would know that one and i can't remember it he shaves his head and he's in a wheelchair and he's like i'm powerless you know i i <laughs> And that is, uh, it is the Randy Marsh golden years between like season yes. 10 and 15. So yeah, that's, really between that's, like season 10 and 20 is like the golden years of Randy Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think your explanation is way better and the way better thought process than me. <laughs> so thank you. Cause I actually think you might've solved this, uh, solved this mystery, but that's, that's all, that's all 10 of them for uh, Tennessee. I can't believe What'd they didn't think? have like the I can't believe they didn't have the Blair Witch on there. Is the Blair Witch from Tennessee? Not the Blair Witch, sorry. Uh the Bell Witch. Sorry. Blair Witch is Marion. Bell, <laughs> Bell Witch. Witch. What is the, yeah. What is the Bell Witch? Bell Witch is uh very famous. Um even Andrew Jackson believed in the Bell Witch. Uh though so it's kind of an old lore Tennessee mystery from um the early days of colonial era up to the 1830s 1840s kind of by the civil war it kind of fell out of favor and became more of a local thing than a national thing but it it, it kind of really drew a lot of um a lot of attention because andrew jackson was from that area so uh, formerly adams county tennessee which i think is now consolidated into modern day knox county yeah um uh there is a cave called the Bellwitch cave and there was this old crone apparently that lived there that was a had poltergeist abilities to like haunt and uh, possess and terrorize the families around the area. And the reason it's called the Bell Witch is because the Bell family was the one that was haunted by it. So there's a movie actually with Donald Sutherland and um, I forget who else is in it called An American Haunting around the early mid 2000s. An interesting movie if you want to see a good theory on the Bell Witch. Um, but I find it fascinating because my dad grew up literally a stone's throw from that cave and he he's visited it like all through his childhood. Like that was like kind of their childhood dares. They would go to the Bell Witch Cave. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, it's always it's kind of a personal one, too, with the family. But it's a, it's a pretty famous like American. Like I said, they made the movie An American Haunting mm-hmm. based off that because it's kind of one of America's oldest legends. I, I'm going to have to maybe we could. They cover this uh, in October for uh, like the spooky month and everything like that. Like just witches. We could go over this one too. I'd like to find out more about it. Maybe I mean, uh, Seth knows more about this one too. Yeah. And like I said, it's fascinating too, because Andrew Jackson, who is normally known as like one of our most hardlined presidents ever, like no nonsense, no bullshit kind of guy. Um, he believed in the bell, Witch. he claimed to have like seen it like power and was like scared of it so jeez uh, even, there's even a character they actually put him in the movie in American Haunting for as a cameo oh really uh, yeah so it's kind of like 
funny that like yeah andrew jackson like one of the most feared american presidents <laughs> ever yeah <laughs> actually wow. knew and 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 wrote about and like uh, acknowledged the bell witch so well shit yeah we're gonna have to we're gonna have to dig more into this i'd yeah. like i'd like to know more but yeah that was all that was all 10 um do you have any final thoughts on the, the list that we actually covered yeah, I mean, it's more true crime than anything. I think there's a lot more, there's a lot of mysteries in Tennessee, and there's a lot of ghost stories, a lot of rich battlefield stuff, Civil War things. Um, if you're into ghosts and hauntings and doing battlefield tours and things like that, there's a lot to, uh, a lot to take in in the state of Tennessee. So, um, and not just that, but cryptids. I mean, you're in the Smokies, which is the southern end of the Appalachians. So, um, you know a lot of cryptids and stuff there a lot of stuff to think about so i would encourage listeners to actually look up kind of their own tennessee mysteries because there's a lot more to actually um take in than just true crime I mean, there's definitely a lot of true crime and you know uh yeah i mean there's a lot of interesting things the the, the topography is crazy and tennessee is so wide you know it covers almost three time zones <laughs> you think about it uh yep. yeah no it's a it's great from mississippi all the way to the you know, Appalachians, it's it's a wide state. It's got a lot to offer, you know, topographically and history-wise. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really where I'd say, you know, check out all the mysteries, not just the Civil War history and some of the early, you know, kind of early pioneer history, really, early gold rush stuff, because there was actually originally northern Georgia and into Tennessee. Gold rush was the first real gold rush. Uh, but then, you know, Native American history, things like that. There's there's a ton of lore and, like I said, a ton of cryptids and a ton of things to actually look into. So, yeah, if you're, if you're into mysteries, not just true crime, you want some weird stuff, Tennessee is definitely a place to start looking at. You know, I, I will I'll piggyback off that. I'm kind of surprised or I would have liked to see on this list some more than just like the true crime stuff. Maybe the, maybe the next top 10 that we do, we figure out, you know or we look into maybe some different sites with like different mysteries kind of maybe do a, maybe not, maybe not a top 10, maybe a top five, like go a little bit deeper into each one of these, because I feel like I, I did have a lot of questions like with a, like even the first one, the, the Blair Adams, like, was it the mafia? Was it just a, a rundown motel where someone saw him like, you know, maybe getting some of these answers, you know, when, when we're in the show and everything like that. So just kind of deep dive a little bit more, but yeah, it would have been nice to see a little bit more variety than just true crime, but you know, true crime is still good. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably all I have. Those are all my thoughts, but for you, the audience member, if you enjoyed what you listened to, make sure you hit up all the social medias. We got plenty of that stuff there. We actually have the, uh, the, uh, our t-shirts and everything like that are out. I'm not wearing one right now, but cause it's in the wash cause I wear it so often, but we have the uh, the merchandise if you like to support us that way, or if you just want some cool that's effing weird stuff. It has some of our logos, has some of the uh, the thumbnails on YouTube videos. But if there's anything that you'd like to see or hear, just let us know before we sign off. Clark, do you have anything for the audience? Uh, thank you for listening, as always, and take care. All right. And remember, we don't want stuff that's normal. We want stuff that's effing weird. Thank you.